Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yo, Beth. Yo, Beth. Yo, Beth. crazy. On a Saturday, it's all leaving with your boy Barry Grant. You can catch me on Twitter and Instagram at All Leaving Podcast. You can listen to the show on SoundCloud as well as YouTube, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, and wherever you find your podcasts available. What a beautiful Saturday it is! Lots to get into. You know, NFL news. We're gonna talk about Vincent Jackson. I know I'm a little late on that, but definitely want to get into that issue and. You know, one of my favorite segments, Phone a Friend is back. We're going to speak to one of my good friends, one of my good buddies, Richard Jean Baptiste. We're going to talk everything sports. And then the greatest segment on the planet, Dummy of the Week. So let's just jump right into it. First off, I just want to start the show and, and say, rest in peace, Vincent Jackson. You know, he died age 38. Um, you know, they found him in a hotel room. His family said that he had some alcohol issues and a lot of people are saying that it's it's due to his football career the CTE and it's just another sad case man and I, I don't even know I don't even know how to begin but Ryan Leaf has been all over the news pouring his heart out in regards to how he feels the NFL has handled retired players the old school regime and he doesn't hold anything back. I don't know what the fuck to do anymore. Oh, my NFL brothers continue to die. And uh, nobody's doing a goddamn thing about it. I talked to another brother. He spent the weekend in a psych ward today. The NFL just doesn't fucking care. They don't care. I mean, it's they're gonna they'll write condolence letters and shit like that. But if they were invested, they'd actually put some money behind the legends community and into the mental health and substance abuse side of it. And not once you're bad for the brand, the shield, they don't they could give two shits. I don't know what I don't know what the hell to do. They don't get how precious life is. And then I have this fucking survivor's guilt. 
ton of it. You need to do something. You need to do something. Because someone, everybody's, oh fuck. Just be part of the solution, please. I'm not going to lie to you, man. I agree with him. I agree with him 100% because the NFL has always had an, an issue with optics when it comes to the old players. They had to fight for their money for certain benefits and rights and all this stuff. And you're hearing more and more players with CTE issues. Aaron Hernandez had CTE issues. Yeah, he did. Based on no matter what he did, CTE issues. There's a lot of people that played this game are dealing with CTE issues. Just like what Ryan Leaf said. He spoke he spoke to a brother that's in a psych ward. Like th there's so many things that are going on with these retired NFL players, and we're not hearing enough about it. Because maybe the NFL doesn't want us to hear about it. Maybe it's just one of those things that they just like to sweep under the rug. And I know a lot of people don't like to use this comparison about war, but, you know, when these Army veterans come back from the war and there's nothing there for them, and you used to see them, you know, after Vietnam, people are just on the streets. They look like bums. Like, they're not bums. These guys are, are, are crying for help, and there was really no help out there for them. What's the solution here? Like this is this is not something that we can continue to see and we can really continue to hear about players that played this game at such a high level, gave their bodies, sacrificed so much family time and and then when it's over, they can't even enjoy that family because their brain is all jello. They can't think straight. Their whole mental structure has been altered, changed forever. Can't reverse that. So what is the NFL actually doing for them? Because I remember they just threw money at them, but now it's time to do more. Now it's time to be able to create some programs for mental health. Get these guys evaluated. Make sure that they are able to go to the doctor free of charge. Get some CTE evaluations. Get them help. Have an outlet for them to go to. Not turn your back on them. Give them money and never speak about it again. This is an issue that we all are seeing play out in front of us. How many more NFL players have to die? How many more legends, guys that we saw growing up, that we loved you know, seeing them play? How many more of these guys have to die in a hotel room or die in their car or die in their bed or end up going to jail because they had some psychotic episode? When does it stop? The NFL has the power to be able to do so much more for these guys and they're not doing it. So at the end of the day, I can't blame Ryan Lee for feeling this way. For feeling like the NFL has abandoned them. Because that's what it seems like. Like, yo, for real. Is the NFL not, like, 
tired of bad optics? Are they not tired of having these particular things come out in the media? Have players speak out about things like this? So prevent it from happening. Do something about it. Be proactive. Put programs in place so these ex-players feel that you actually care about them. That you actually care about what happens to their families. That you actually care about their well-beings because a lot of them are hurting. A lot of them are feeling exactly what Ryan Lee feels right now. Mental health is such a big thing in this country right now that I still think that a lot of people take it for granted. Can't anymore. You can't just, you know, roll over and and think it's going to go away. It doesn't. There's so many people out there that struggle with this thing, man. And then you you put CTE on top of that. The fact that they they're having these mood swings that they can't control because their brain patterns have changed. So much trauma to the brain. Come on, man. NFL makes billions of dollars a year. And you're trying to tell me that there can't be a facility that you guys create, build, to have people there that can be able to help these guys off the field, pay guys on the books to do wellness checkups for ex-players, have a hotline where they can be able to call and, and really like air their grievances or frustrations or what's going on with them and then have somebody rush out there to speak to them. All of these things are possible for the NFL. So why don't they do it? This is what bothers me about what's going on here. Is that it's always an optics thing for the NFL. Yeah, they're successful. Yeah, a lot of people love watching it. But this does not look good. It just doesn't. And to have, you know, statements to the press. Oh, this is very sad. You know, our hearts and Prayers go out for, you know, to, to, to Vincent Jackson's family. It's not enough. It's not enough. You want to investigate players and go hard and penalize them when, you know, they shouldn't be in our league. Well, why don't you help the guys that are actually screaming out for help in their own way? It's all good when the cash is coming in. Billions of dollars are rolling in. TV deals, fantasy football money, all of this stuff. Everybody's happy. But don't turn your backs on the guys that actually made all of this money possible. Don't turn your backs on the guys that literally use their head as a weapon to make money. Don't turn your backs on those guys. For you to ever excel in your future, you always have to take care of your past. Coming up after the break, phone a friend with my man Richard Jean Baptiste. On a Saturday, it's all even. I've had so many people tell me that Anchor is great. Anchor is this. Anchor is that. But I have to tell you, man, those people were right. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your own podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. 
Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Why wait? Get at it now. Welcome back, y'all. So let's get to my favorite segment, Phone a Friend. Call him up, 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 call him up. Competing for a reason, trying to stay undefeated, yeah. Call him up, 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 call him up. game of the season, don't lie, we're all leaving, yeah. Who we have on the show today is one of my good friends, one of my my buddies, my brother. Three-time All-American at Brooklyn College, Brooklyn College legend, Richard Jean Baptiste. How you doing, my man? Welcome to the show. Oh, man, I'm good, man. Happy to be here, man. What's going on, BJ? Yo, listen, first of all, before I even get into this, man, I just want to let you know, I love the show. Definitely a fan. I'm always on your lives. I'm always commenting. Uh, I'm a legit avid fan. I used to love Skip and Shannon. <laughs> but now I'm stuck on freaking uh, BJ and Mike Guido <laughs> getting my, uh, you know, getting my sports fix, man. But definitely, listen, bro, I'm proud of you. I've been there since day one. I've seen the grind. I've seen the work. A lot of people don't see or understand what it takes to get into this. And I got to watch it firsthand with you, man. So I just want to start off by saying, man, I'm happy to be here and I'm proud of you, bro. Now I'm, I appreciate it, man. You giving my flowers. I'm supposed to be giving you all the praise, man. You ain't supposed to come on my show and give me no praise, man. But I appreciate it. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, yeah, no, no problem, no problem. <laughs> so look, let, let's talk about your, um, you know, your 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 basketball career a little bit, man. You know, you are one of the most talented guys I've ever seen on the court, and uh, you know, you winded up at Brooklyn College and you ended up breaking the all time scoring record in what three years under three years yeah actually a little bit under three years um yeah which was which was dope you know um like you said like you know whichever you know whatever the circumstances everybody has a story I ended up at uh Brooklyn College you know I was the I was the average kid with hoop dreams and yeah you know so many situations happened good and bad for me so I just got to a point where I was kind of over it but lucky for me, my brother was actually coaching at Brooklyn College, just starting out. Shouts to so, Jeff. Yes, it was a it was it was a, it was a great situation. We spoke. Um, he kind of talked me back into you know the sport again because you know like when you have those dreams and it doesn't pan out, you know you kind of the way you want to. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So young, your mentality is so like it. Adversity isn't something that a lot of young men can actually take on. You know, That's so. Nice. I kind of broke, I kind of broke with that a little bit. You know, my brother being the older brother kind of geared me back into, you know, the proper lane of, yeah. you know, at least enjoying the college experience, having fun, playing basketball for the love again and not necessarily for the the glitz and the glamour. You know what I mean? So luckily, you know, I, like I said, I got to Brooklyn College. Um, like, I guess I don't, you know, not to pat myself, but it was a, it was a school with like a losing history, so to speak. Um, and listen, man, my first year there, I think we went like 22 and seven or something like that. Um, yeah. Then we, then we won back-to-back championships, um, you know, and a whole bunch of awards came with that too. So, you know, props to my Brooklyn College basketball team because those guys were dope, man. They made my college experience fun. Nah, definitely, man. And, and you know, it, it's always, it was always interesting to watch your, your progression because even in high school, you know, you brought, you brought a championship there to St. John's as well. So like, 
you know, there's a lot of stuff that you did where, you know, we thought that, you know, things are kind of pan out a little differently, but that's, that's the game. That's sports. You know, sometimes, you know, the, the, sometimes things just don't fall your way. Sometimes things don't fall in the, in the, the, the right box or whatever it is, but you still got to keep trucking. And the fact that you were able to, you know, find your love again for the game and really, you know, put your foot down and dominate the way you did, man. Like, you know, kudos to you, like I said. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and, you know, just like we were talking about before, it's a lot of times it's, you know, it's it's a storyline, which yeah. is so crazy because, you know, that's just life. You know, right. um, you'll have, just like you'll see so many kids playing park basketball or, or tournament basketball that you wonder, why isn't this kid in the NBA, when we have so many NBA players that probably wouldn't do as well as this kid, but it's circumstance, it's right place, right time, it's situation, it's who you, your resources, who you have helping, you know, all that kind of stuff. So um, it, and again, you know, for me, it just became a, look, man, it's, you know, let's, let's have fun. Let's have, you know, let's have, let, let's have fun with it. So, you know. No, definitely. Now, what do you think about the current, like, AAU situation for hoops like do you think it's it's been beneficial for basketball or do you think that it's actually been a detriment in regards to how these kids are being propped up as a farm system and you're yep. seeing you're seeing them get to the the next level you know either whether it be NBA or college and you're not seeing them develop the way like correct me if I'm wrong like I'm old school so I watch a lot of basketball but to me these kids they don't look ready for the next level how, like mm -hmm. how they used to. Am yeah. I am I bugging or or do you agree? Well, what I think it is too, you know, just with what you said, you said, you know, you're more old school. So the style, the type of basketball you grew up on and the basketball you grew to love. Yeah. Is very opposite from this generation where, right. you know, when you play basketball, you established who's the center and you know what a center does. Who's right. a power forward? You know what a power forward does. Who's that's the what point a number, forward? That's where the numbers came in. One, two, three, four, five. Exactly. Like, you, you don't hear that no more. Exactly. So what's happening now, especially in the AAU system, is it's they're, they're gearing every one of this, these kids to be Giannis, LeBron, KD, or, uh, you know, Steph Curry. Right. So if you're able to blend those players in every child, so because I remember the days where the biggest kid on the court <laughs> played down low. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? You six, like, seven, you going down low. You're yeah. going down low. I don't care how much you can handle. You're right. not touching the ball until you get by the basket. So, right. so, so now I think with AAU, what they're doing now is they're taking that six, seven kid and turning him into the five eleven kid. Right. You know, so, and that's why I said, like, within the next 10 years, I would, I believe that um, you're going to have to be about six foot five, six foot six. Yeah. In order to, in order to sustain yourself in the NBA. Nice. Because these kids are just getting taller and way more talented. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, man. I, I definitely agree because, it, you know, it, I guess when you look at it from a skill set standpoint, their skill set is definitely better than what it was 25 years ago you know mm -hmm. kids can be able to do so much but the mentality is more what I'm talking about it's like okay these kids have the skill set but they do not look mentally ready for the NBA 
And yes. And, and, and if, if yeah, go ahead. Well, well, if you look at it, the NBA turned to an entertainment business versus looking at the 90s Knicks where they pride themselves on teams scoring 70 points yeah. in an entire 12-minute quarter game. Well, yo, not. I, I want to add to that point. I had an interview with Josh Powell, and Josh Powell made a great point that was crazy to me. He mm-hmm. said that the Detroit Pistons and the San Antonio Spurs destroyed basketball. What they did was they made it, they made it unpopular to be defensively gifted and to lead with defense because you Mm -hmm. haven't seen another team or teams like that since because Mm -hmm. the game has changed and and he makes a stark point. He makes no, and I agree with him 100% because it is now an entertainment business, right? So you can't entertain by shutting down LeBron James, right? I can't make the crowd do the oohs and ahs if I take away LeBron James's fast break. Right. You know, so, and that's the thing too. You look at all, like the reason why players in the NBA back in the day weren't doing these kind of dunks, the opportunities were so little. Like dudes used to dunk and try to hurry up and dunk in the night. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't a, let me lead and cock it back and all this kind of stuff. Cause Charles Oakley was on the court. <laughs> you, 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 you get try, what I'm saying? Yeah. You try to do that. You're not getting up. You know what I mean? That's it. You're done. Your night is over and you're probably done for a couple of weeks. And, right. and that, and so what I think did, what I think that did was it made the defender boring. So in the NBA, it said, yo, you're not going to be fun unless you can do this with the basketball. Right. You know, so anybody just like Josh Powell said, so when you have your San Antonio Spurs, they've never been entertaining. Never. They had arguably the best power forward to have ever played the game. And one of the most boring players. Boring to watch. Yeah, yeah. Ginobili, who started the Eurostep. Look how popular the Eurostep is now. Right. Nobody cared to watch him. Nobody cared. Nope. So, and like, just like you said, the Pistons, there wasn't one do-it-all player on that team. No, they all had their role and they all dominated their role. That's what they did. And, and that was it. But their main point was defense. Yeah. Ben Wallace was legitimately 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, right. <laughs> I'll probably Which give is, him 6'6". Six, six. <laughs> you, you get what I'm saying? So right. that mindset is awesome for basketball, but you got to be a dude, like you just said, you got to be old school to love that kind of basketball. Yeah. Because we get excited when you see a person beat the offensive player to a spot, make right. a spin, then you turn him again, he throws a turnover, you get excited over that. Right. The average fan just they, keeps eating popcorn, bro. Yeah, they don't, <laughs> they don't, they don't understand what they just watched. Now you're, you're 100% right. 100% you you right. get what I'm saying? So yeah. now if you're, if you're, you know, recipes, David Stern and who everybody that we have now in the offices, their main focal point is no, we got to make sure the scores are 134 to 124 because it keeps Kevin Durant scoring 43 points a game. James Harden putting up 38 points a game. That's unheard of. Yeah. That's unheard of. So I do believe that basketball now versus back then is the complete opposite. Back in the days, it was always inside you start, then it goes outside. 
Right. Like, if you look at it, the best player to have ever played the game was a 60% post-up player. Yeah. <laughs> like, could you imagine if Kevin Durant came up court right now and posted up every play? They would <laughs> boo the hell out of him. <laughs> They'd boo him. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And that's why I said, when you get these younger players, the mentality is so hard. It's so hard to maintain a tough-like mentality because they're not trained that way. Yeah. Their focus is mainly offense. Right. To have a defensive mentality is so more, it's so much more like uh uh Cerebral. like challenging. It's yeah. challenging yeah. than being on offense. Because offense, you could just shoot a bunch of shots. But on defense, if a person's shooting all those shots and making them on you, that could break your spirit. Yeah, it's it's all mental. Like you have to be mentally prepared to play defense. You have to put yourself in that that mindset because if you don't, then the physical part of it is not going to catch up. Everything has to be working at the same time. 100%. And that's why my prime example of everything we're talking about is Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. He made his name on what? On defense and his offense and his offense came along slowly. Yeah, exactly. But once his offense came, look how much more people talk about Kawhi Leonard. Right. They didn't care about him before. Yeah. Nobody. He now he now he won a finals MVP simply because he played good defense on on LeBron LeBron James. James. (laughs) Like that's why he won MVP. But nobody ever spoke about how good he actually was. Right. Same thing with Iguodala. Right. Exactly. Now, once Kawhi said, all right, screw this boring system. I want out because yeah. I need to show what I can do offensively. Turn it up. Yeah. Dude, he got a sneaker deal. Mm-hmm. He won a championship being the main offensive player. And he's in LA where he want to be. Exactly. Exactly. Because this is the new NBA. Yeah. That defensive stuff would have still had him on the Spurs guarding the every best player running off screens, shooting set shots, getting back on defense. It's just not the NBA today. That's a great point, man. I mean, you know, I I also want to talk about the college game right now. I I don't know if you heard the news that Jalen Johnson, one of the top recruits that was going to Duke University, foregoed the rest of his season Mm -hmm. and decided to, you know, declare for the draft. Now, the reason why this is big news for me is because Mm – he declared shortly after being benched for three straight games under Coach K. So think mm. about it. Highly recruited guy. He's going to one of the, the best coaches that he'll ever have in his entire life, where yes. Coach K is going to teach you how to be a man, how to be a professional, all of these things. And he took it personal that, uh, that Coach K would bench him because he's a top recruit. This is what I'm talking about, about the mentality. So the kid quit high school at some point. He also now quit college because Coach K was putting too much pressure on him. What message is a guy like Jay or a kid like Jalen Johnson sending to other kids that are looking at him as like, yeah, that's 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 the guy I want to be like. What are we doing with these kids at this level? That the fact that a, a great Hall of Fame head coach cannot discipline a player that does not have the cachet that he should and that he's learning how to be a professional because think about it I'm, I'm, I'm going to use this in context Brandon Ingram you know went to Duke he struggled mm-hmm. early on in uh you know non-conference games coach K benched him had him come off the bench 
he worked his tail off to get back into the starting lineup and ended up having a really, really good season. Ended up, you know, I, I, I don't remember if you won ACC player of the year, but he was up there and ended up being the number two player in the draft that, that following season. So, you know, it, it's not a detriment when a Coach K benches you to try to get your mental straight. But as a player and as a young player to actually look at a Coach K and say, yo, you dare bench me, okay, I'm going to quit. Like, what are we doing here? What are we doing? And, and it's sad to say because there's so many positives to it is that this all trickles down from the NBA. Yes, yes. So NBA's the blame, yes. So, because what happens is you take, you know, a pioneer like LeBron James when it comes to getting all these players to understand your worth. Yeah. Let's not let the system use you. Right. And spit you out however they choose to. Right. Right? So you take a kid like, like you said, Jalen Johnson, who's highly recruited, probably one of the highest recruited kids in the country. Top 10. That yeah. knows that knows even if he plays one college game and quits, he's still going to the NBA. Doesn't right. matter. So what they did was they gave the college kid power. That kid now has power over the university. Right. He accepts the scholarship, which is a paid scholarship, and then says, I'm going to do it my way. If it's not going to go my way, I'm going to quit only because I'm still going to the NBA. So regardless of what you do, this would actually hurt Coach K more than it actually hurt me. Agreed. You know what I mean? So that's why. And then you can take it back to the whole college kids want to get paid. And you know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's so much when it comes to that. But I think that power move is simply because he knows he's guaranteed. Right. And that's and that's the sucky part. That's the sucky. Yeah, part. no. Exactly. So now that's a kid that is like, not that he thinks he's bigger than the game, but if he makes it to the NBA top pick, then he's bigger than the game. Right. It's because, because his move is justified. If they end up taking him top five, top 10 is justified of what he did. Now, if he now, falls, if he mm -hmm. falls now, that's a message to other kids to say, don't do that. Don't exactly. do that. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Because all that's going to happen is every top recruit in this country from now on is coming in with the mentality of you need me. I don't, I don't need, need you. you. Right. Don't bench me. I'm going to play as much minutes as I want to. And that's it. Exactly. So now you like and again, if he pans out. It will be a horrible message to these kids because then college will trickle down to high school. Yes. Yes. You know what I mean? Like those kids in high school will start to feel the way these college kids feel. So right. I think it is a bad thing. Now, do I believe at some point it can, because even starting with the letting college go, going straight to the G league, making six figures that, that in itself is great for basketball when you look at one end of the spectrum, but then you can look at the other end of the spectrum, which I think it's the parent end, the education end, like a lot of logical life learning things that you would probably want your child to go through. But then when you hear it on the other side of the story, when you hear the other side of the story and you talk and you hear about how they use kids. And then you can go back to the Fab Five and yeah. how, how they make these kids marketable so that they can benefit. Make the billions, yeah. 
and you get absolutely nothing no matter what your situation is. Right. Which is, again, why, why kids are accepting money to go to schools and, you know, all these crazy things are happening. Because it's, 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 it's a business that has now been exposed and now these kids have a blueprint on how to expose the system also. Yeah. So if I'm Coach K, which he probably won't do, that's a situation you got to suck up. Maybe have a good conversation with him and let him know, like, listen, you, I know you're going to be here one year. Let's figure out a way to make this the best year possible. Yeah, I mean, you know, my my take on the entire college system, and it was, you know, it was forced upon them by the NBA, this one-and-done rule, is that I'm sick of the one-and-done rule. I think the one-and-done rule has done damage to the college system because – when we think about, you know, 25 years ago, kids were able to go straight to the league and they had success. Now, my, my thing is this. OK, you're going to you're going to tell kids you can't come into the league until you're you, you know, you've 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 uh, completed one year of eligibility in college or you're 19 years of age. Right. That's the rule. Right. Mm-hmm. But when they get to the league, they're it takes them three, four, five years to develop. So what's the difference of taking a kid straight out of high school? He's going to take three or four years to develop anyway. And the thing is, you're now forcing kids that don't care about going to school to go to school. So they're not getting their education. They don't care about the experience that they're actually going through. Look at a kid like Jalen Johnson. Do you think that he that that he enjoyed his experience being a Duke player with all that history, that lineage, all of those great players that came through there? He's just looking at it as an opportunity to get him to the league. That's yep, not a good thing. So if you abolish the one and done rule, let let these kids take their risk. If they want to go ahead and risk their their futures and go to the NBA and, you know, if it pans out for them, great. But if it doesn't, that's their decision to make. They're 18 years of age. They should speak to their family about it. That's not the NBA's decision to have to put a rule on these kids as, a, oh, no, you got to wait a year. You got to wait a year. It's nonsense. Some of the greatest players we've ever seen play this game came straight from high school. Yeah. So why are we stopping these children from making those decisions? I don't understand that. When And then, and then a couple years from now, the rule is going to be out. By the time Brawny wants to get into the league, he can do that. What's the sense? Yeah. What was the point of that? Because what you've done, you've created more corruption in college basketball. You've created, mm-hmm. you've created more deception, more lies. Guys don't care about the product. Guys don't care about the system. The, the, the Duke-Carolina rivalry is no more. All the rivalries across college basketball, it doesn't matter anymore. These kids don't go to the school for the, for the, for the jersey anymore. They go for, okay, how is it going to affect my draft stock? If I go to this school, like, it's not that this is not what college was supposed to be about. Like, I remember the kids that were two and a half star recruits. They get to a certain program. And by the time they leave, you know, they're, they're an NBA prospect. That is what I miss from college basketball. You know, the, the one and done's Okay, cool. You're always going to have marquee guys, but let the kids that want to go to college let them experience that. Let them experience that, and let them grow. And for the kids that want to earn a living in the NBA, let them try it and see what the hell happens. Because talent is going to rise to the surface anyway. It's up to the NBA teams to make the decision on: Are we going to draft this kid, or are we not going to draft this kid? 
Don't mm-hmm. put it on the system to say, okay, well, this kid has to go to school because like you said, look at what these kids are doing. They're finding different avenues to get themselves to the NBA, to get themselves paid. Okay, I don't have to go to college. If I'm going to be 19 before I get to the league, I'm going to go overseas. I'm going to go to the G League. Like, they're not abiding by your rule. So there's no reason to have the rule in. And, you you know, an, another point, too, is, like, what I think what I think has happened also is the financial aspect as far as, like, those younger children. Yeah. Dying to get a piece of the cake. Right. So... And, and the exposure for these kids compared to back in the day, because remember, like when when we were growing up, when it came to basketball, you only could talk about a handful of kids right. that you knew right. were really good in the area. There was no big social media like, you know, exactly. It, you, you had to be exceptional for everybody to be paying attention. To exactly. You, you yeah. had to be known in Kingdom. Right. Rucker Park. Yes. Or you had to have a ridiculous name. Whereas now you have kids on social media creating documentaries right. of their basketball career, even though they're an average player. Right. They have they, they already have 100,000 plus followers and all this stuff. And they're in Ex- high school. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. now you get you get these kids that go to college and already have the mindset of, no, I'm a product. Right. I'm, I'm a star. I must, I, I need to sell myself. No, there's yeah. no way I need to go to school and stay right. here. Nope. I know I'm going to. So you have all of these kids growing up in that era of I'm a product and I'm selling myself right now. Like, and like I'm a brand. Said, yeah. And most of these kids don't even be as good as they think they are. Right. You know what I mean? But then you do have, like you said, your, your one and dones, the kids that you're LeBron James's, you would, you'll never come across something like that. Kevin Garnett, like, you know, those, those type of players are, are once one in a million. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but, but now these kids are so saturated with, with everything that distracts them from what I feel is reality. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And I, I think, I think, you know, what LeBron James was trying to do was really create some, some knowledge, some awareness to, to our young, you know, our young guys our youth as well as some some inexperienced players in the league to understand that they're they're worth more they're valued more but what what has happened is that it's now spread way too far in regards to thinking that everybody has that same power not everybody has that lebron james type of ability to change things for every lebron james you have you're going to have 150 Darius miles. Yeah. 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 You know what I'm saying? And it, it, that's, mm-hmm. that's the thing. It's like, you know, brand and all this stuff is great, but at the end of the day, the NBA is a business. College is a business. You have to, you have to like work with that business to get what you want. You cannot think that you're going to turn the business on its head and still feel that, everything is going to work out for everybody because it's not the way it goes. It's going, you can be able to ma- manipulate the system and it's going to work out for that 1%, but for everybody else, it's going to be a tough, tough sledding. And the re- you know, I want to segue into this, that whole Draymond Green situation where he said that, you know, there's a double standard in the NBA. Like, what are your thoughts about that in regards to players, you know, requesting trades and they are, 
quote unquote vilified according to Draymond Green, but the ownership, the GMs, the you know, the governors, they're not vilified for wanting to trade a player or wanting to sit a player down, you know, not play him until they can be able to figure out what they're going to do with that player via trade or buyout. Like, what are your thoughts about that? I 100% agree with Draymond, <clears throat> excuse me, just because I, I and, and, and it, it kind of goes back. And this is just, you know, this is my opinion. It kind of goes back to the owner slash slave mentality, right? And I, and I say that to mean, as the owner, I can do whatever I want to do because technically I'm the one paying you. I'm the one providing all this stuff for you. Right. I'm making you be the person that you are with my money. So you can't dare buck the system because one, they control, I don't want to say media, but they're like, they have their own inner circle of media Yeah. where one owner can just say, I want nothing to do with Draymond. Draymond is a cancer. He's a this, he's a that. And that can spread amongst owners because what people can't forget, these owners are also all best friends. Yeah, I mean, they, they talk, definitely. They, they all talk. They're not best friends, but you get what I'm saying? Yeah, they, yeah. All, they, they all know each other. It's a, it's a tight-knit circle. It's a fraternity. 100%. Yeah. Why do you think Colin Kaepernick really didn't get signed? Right. You, you get what I'm saying? So I do feel like it's, it, it, is, it is remarkable how a player demands a trade, and the first thing is he's a bad guy. Uh, you can't do this. How like who do you think you are to do this? Because that's essentially what their thoughts are. Right. Who do you think you are to do this to us? You know, and LeBron James, like you said earlier, showing the player your worth is gonna make you say, All right, well, I'm able to do this because of my skill. But on the back end, when you do it, you're gonna get killed by the team. Right? But the ownership process is all right well we kind of own you know we own we give you the money we do whatever we want dude we're gonna trade you we don't want you no more so you know sit out and and like he like like and that's what i think was important that draymond said was and it's so crazy how they expect you to still remain professional but on the other end when you do it to them there's no professionalism in what they're doing well, listen, I, I definitely agree with some parts of what Draymond Green is saying. Like, in regards to the media, like, it's all media-related, right? You know, it's the if the media would cover and criticize the organizations just like how they criticize certain players for asking out and wanting out, I think players would feel a little bit more that it's an even playing field. But, you know, the the... The examples that Draymond Green uses sometimes, like the only one I can actually say that was wild was, uh, I remember when Harrison Barnes got traded, he was on the bench and they removed him from the bench. He got traded like mid game and he had to leave. He had to leave the bench. I yeah. I remember, you know, there's certain things I, you can say, okay, cool. You know, you know, the organization can learn how to do things a little differently, but let's think about James Harden. James Harden request out, from an organization that literally gave him everything, Rich. They, they gave him the private jet. They allowed him to stay over extra days on road trips to do whatever the hell he wanted. They allowed they, they, any player that he wanted to play with, 
or you know you know uh, uh, partner up with. They got him. They ended up getting the coach that he wanted. They ended up changing the playing style to fit his playing style. Mm-hmm. And it still wasn't enough for him. And he decides to say, yeah, I'm out. You guys can't win. I'm out. So they're looking at it like, yo, what else What else as a team can I do for you to make you happy? And he ends up showing, he ends up showing up 15 pounds overweight and still – and still gets to go where he wants to go. Think about that. You can hot dog it. You can actually be a detriment to your basketball team to the point where John Wall and Boogie Cousins was calling you out in the media, and you still ended up going exactly where you wanted. So my thing is this. I'm like, all right, cool. Yes, I can understand the media side of it, that the media needs to cover it a little bit fairly. But at the same time, All of this that you're seeing was negotiated through collective bargaining. The Mm -hmm. players wanted more money. The owner said, okay, you want more money. You want the super max contracts where guys get all-star appearances. They get first team, all NBAs, first team defensive, second team, third team. And you're ended up, you can be able to get a 35% bonus on your, on top of your extension. Cool. What that, what, so they gave up, they gave up the money. The owners, the, the the players took the money, and in 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 that, in the in retrospect, they gave up some power to the owners to the so so the owners can be able to say, okay, we still have we still have the power to be able to buy out players, we still have the power to be able to trade you, you know, whatever, however we want to trade you. If you are so adamant on having a level playing field, then you need to negotiate that come CBA time, and if you don't, if and if the owners say, well, we don't want to really negotiate what you're asking for, then the only other option is to is to hold out. Have a lockout until you get what you want. But you can't you can't have the cake, you can't have the money, you can't eat all the stuff that you want to do and have all this power. No other organization, no other sporting organization, the players have more control in the NBA. The only thing left for the NBA players to have is to literally own a team. That's the only thing left. Yeah. <laughs> so my thing is, my thing is, as as a commissioner like Adam Silver that has bent over backwards for the players, they wanna they wanna preach social justice, they wanna preach awareness. Adam Silver's on top of that. They wanna you know not play for Charlotte when when the whole Charlottesville thing happened. Cool. We're not gonna play that. Like that. He's been so on the player's side to the point where he can't go back and even try to be like David Stern and rule with an iron fist because he's gone so far right. You know what I mean? So it's like, to me, I I just hear a lot of complaining with NBA players. And the thing is, is like, at the end of the day, what we have to understand and remember about the NBA is that it's a business. If me and you Mm -hmm. are on our job and... Mm -hmm. My my boss says, you know, Barry is not living up to standards in regards to he's not meeting his quotas. He's not doing this. You know, we feel that we might have to move on from him. I, what am I going to do? Complain to the media that I'm not being fairly treated? I didn't live up to my standards as an employee. So think about it from from the from the governors and not call owners anymore. The governor standpoint or a GM standpoint. I trade for you and you are not meeting my expectations for the money that you're getting. 
So why should I continue to have you on my team? I need to figure out a way to be able to speak to you, negotiate a buyout, or let's see if we can find a trade partner for you. And in the meantime, we don't necessarily think that playing you is the best option. So we're going to pay you to either stay home or sit on that bench. I don't see an issue here because at the end of the day, it's not like you're not getting paid. I can't call my boss and say, yeah, I'm not going to make it today. And more importantly, I would like to work somewhere else and still get a paycheck from you guys. He's going to look at me like, nah, you can just leave and you're not going to work here no more. We're not going to pay you. So in any other aspect of life, it doesn't, it doesn't work. The NBA, the NBA, you know, these players, it's, it's not a real, it's not a real life thing. Like their, their problems are not real life. and, And it's like, they come to us in the media. They tell us what's going on with the NBA. They tell you how unfair things are, but that don't apply to guys like me and you or other people that are just average Joes. It don't make sense. You are an employee of the NBA. There's rules. There's certain guidelines. There's certain protocols that you have to abide by. That's it. Yeah. If you don't want to work there, then don't work there. But don't complain. See, the the issue, I think, with James Harden is that Houston just made a bad investment. Yes, they did. In him. I agree. Yes, 100%. So the, the only problem with their bad investment is that he seems like a good investment to other teams. Yeah. Him, the fact that they gave up everything for James Harden. Right. It, all, it, all it proved was that James Harden isn't good enough to do it on his own. Exactly. He's not, which he's not a number which, one. Which, and that's okay. Exactly. Which is exactly, which, which is not necessarily a bad thing to the average, to the average fan or the average supporter. Because it just makes you realize, okay, this is a guy who, like he's proven now, he needs two other players. Yes. Some you LeBron James, you can give him one player and he's good. That's all he needs. Right. You can give, you give, but but then you look at, you know, when KG had Paul Pierce, and, Ray and, Allen, right. Rondo, that's what they needed. And right. it's okay, and it's okay. Right. You understand the young LeBron needed D Wade and Chris Bosh to get right. him. So James Harden was just a dude who they believed was a LeBron James that you could just give him an AD and it happens, but it doesn't work. He's actually a Pippin. 100, 100%. Yeah. So Houston, I think Houston held, they tried to hold on for so long that it makes James Harden look like a terrible guy just for saying, I don't work here. Yeah. Because to me, it was as simple as that. It was just a bad breakup because Houston didn't want to let him go. Right. He wanted to be, he wanted to explore the market. He wants to see other people. Right. (laughs) You, You understand what I'm saying? And by Houston holding on, and then all bad media is great media. Yeah. So you can take James Harden simply saying, guys, look, we tried. Because he's saying it, not being a jerk. He's just saying, we're just not good enough. If he would have just said, I'm not good enough, it probably would have smashed the whole thing. Right. But in, but, but in reality, all he's saying is, I just want to go. 
you're forcing me to stay here and I don't want to be here. So you can look at it from the, from the, from the end of, all right, Houston put everything into the relationship and it just didn't pan out. It happens. Yeah, it happens. So cut your losses, come up with a three, four year rebuilding plan, figure out what, where do we go from here? How can we get better? And I'm not going to lie. Like I do believe like, Harden leaving made Christian Wood. Oh, yeah, definitely. Rise up to much higher than he was before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, you know, he had a great year in Detroit, and now, you know, now you you guys are looking at him like, you know, he's really, really super talented. And and with, with a James Harden, it wouldn't have worked out that way. 100%. So now you can take Wood and say, you know what? We just created another Jared Allen. Yeah. They let Brooklyn let Jared Allen ball out. He was doing amazing in Brooklyn, but why did they do that? Just to build his stock to trade him, get a good of trade. Of course, of course. So why not do the same with Christian Wood? Because you have John Wall, who's back off injury. You have Boogie, who I don't know which side of the fence I'm on with Boogie. Because on one hand, I feel like he still has a a little bit there and on the other side is just like man i don't know if he could do it but christian wood can get you a couple players that can fill the void of potentially what you need to start the process of rebuilding you know yeah. what i mean um but again i just do believe james harden was just a bad investment that just yeah, went yeah. south and and, and that's south. and that's the thing a lot of teams are looking for that lebron james type of generational talent when everybody is not, everybody's not built the same way. You cannot give everybody that type of power because Bro, when you do, me, it it really ends up biting you in the butt as an organization. It really does. Yeah, one one hundred percent. Like, let let me also ask you this because if you look at it, who would you say is the best offensive player in the NBA? Best offensive player in the NBA? Yeah. Um, well, he was injured. He was injured for a year. But who would you give it to? I mean, yeah, I would definitely give it to KD. KD, KD is the best offensive weapon we've seen in recent memory. Now, the crazy part is KD can't even take one player and win a championship by himself. Right. He, he, needs a, he needs a group. Yeah. Yeah. So when you find the LeBron James, that LeBron James comes once in a lifetime. Right. So all of these organizations putting the LeBron James expectation on these players is unfair. It's unfair. Yeah, yeah. You know how many dudes could not win a championship just because Jordan was around. Right. Right. You understand what I'm saying? Right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. you yeah. like, so, so it, 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 it's so tough to be that organization with that expectation and it not pan out because it only goes sour from there. Cause think about it. If James Harden stays in Houston, they do well during the season and come playoff time. They fizzle they out. Give, they give another coach seven games to game plan on how to stop James Harden. Right, right, and it's not that hard. Trust me, <laughs> it, it, it's it's simple. Yeah, I remember. I remember. I remember the year where the Jazz put the player on his back. <laughs> <laughs> they, they told him just jump on it. He, he should have had a saddle <laughs> the way they were riding James Harden the whole. But that. But that's the crazy part. And. <laughs> it becomes easy to stop him. So now you put James Harden in the same situation, but you add Kyrie and Kevin Durant, it changes the complete ball game. 
Now, what do you, what is your what is your thought process on the Nets? Like, do you think that the Nets are or do you think that they have a shot to win an NBA title? Are are and they the best team I, in the I, league to you? Skill wise, that is the most unstoppable team. Like like, and I, I heard the discussion of Golden State with Kevin Durant and Brooklyn with Kevin Durant. Yeah, I looked at it as offensively. Brooklyn Nets, Kevin Durant would have gave Golden State Kevin Durant hell because <laughs> it's impossible to stop three dudes who can play the wing, point guard, and go to the basket. Yeah, it's it, it's I've never seen a trio that offensively gifted on one team. Like they can literally score seventy five to eighty points a night. But the problem, but the the problem is that. As good as they are offensively, they are awful defensively as a team. One hundred percent. And the thing now, is, what it's does like, that remind you of? It reminds me of Phoenix. One hundred percent. So the difference with Phoenix, because remember when Phoenix, when Nash was playing on Phoenix, their issue was they didn't. They had Joe Johnson, but they didn't have. Now, could you imagine that Phoenix team with Kevin Durant on the wing? Right. Because remember, Mario Stoudemire was unstoppable. Steve Nash was unstoppable. But they were still missing that one piece. But without that one piece, they were outscoring a lot of teams. They weren't able to win a championship, but the numbers were ridiculous. Yeah. Now you take a team that can outscore anybody. Now, the difference is the defensive part is what's going to be really tough for them. But BJ, like, at, at the end of the day, when you talk about playoff basketball, that's a different element of basketball. That's what I'm saying. That that offense is going to come down, man. It's not going to be no high-scoring games like that. Exactly. Exactly. But, so, uh, but, but when you think about it, majority of teams only have maybe one or two great defenders, you would say? Yeah, of course. So if Kyrie Irving is in trouble one night where he probably can't score 30, then you have to do something with James Harden. Right. If he's having an issue, then you got Kevin Durant to stop. Now, what people don't really pay attention to is Joe Harris is a sniper. Yes, he is. He is a problem. Jeff Green is playing basketball like we've never seen. <laughs> but simply, their confidence as every game goes, you can actually see their confidence building. And I don't mean James Harden, Durant. And I'm talking about the others. You see it. DeAndre Jordan, who's a complete shell of himself. Yeah, he's washed. But you can see, like, the attempt. Like, you can see he picks it up. Like, you saw James Harden was screaming at him at, um, during one game yeah. for bad, you know, for, for not protecting the rim or whatever the case is. Right. I just think that's a team that I personally believe if you're the NBA, you make the most money with Brooklyn Nets at the helm of the East. Well, yeah, I mean, they're definitely going to be the, you know, they're going to be the Miami Heat. They're going to be the Golden State Warriors. They're going to be the marquee for the NBA going forward for the next, at least for the next two years or so. Uh, you know, but my my thing is that I, I love the offensive talent. I love it. But I've been around watching basketball too long to to ever doubt that somebody can be able to Really, knock them off. really knock, you know, like, like we seen the Miami Heat win 
two titles. They got to four finals in four years. But that first year, people re- people don't remember that Dallas handed them the ass in the NBA finals. Mm-hmm. So this can happen to this team because, you know, I look at I look at Philly. I look at a team like Milwaukee. I know every I know a lot of people are down on Milwaukee right now. I am not going to be down on Milwaukee the entire season. They have new parts. Drew Holiday still trying to figure it out with Giannis. I still feel that there's certain teams in that Eastern Conference that can be able to give the Nets more trouble than they really want. And I'm not, think, I'm not crowning. So? Yeah, I'm not crowning the Nets right now. I just can't. I've watched too much basketball to do that. I can't do well, that. I, I believe the Nets can be stopped. Yeah. Um, but like, so you, you have faith in Giannis. I have faith in the. Yes, I, I, I don't want to say complete faith because you know he's been, it's been a little disappointing playoff wise for me, but because I'm starting to realize, or, or I don't want this to be true that his numbers are hollow. You know what I mean? Uh, like, you're, you're talking about you're talking about Giannis. I'm talking about Giannis. Like yes, I, I don't yes. want to say that he puts up hollow numbers because, you know, but if he ends up having another playoff failure. You have to push that narrative. Well, if you, what I think happened to Giannis is that they pulled the veil off and they exposed him yeah, for yeah. the past two playoffs. Right. You can't show Boston, Boston showed how you're supposed to guard Giannis. And that right. was the year they put Al Holford to stand at the free throw line and they just met him at the rim all game. And you remember the, f- and listen, the fact that, <laughs> the fact that Giannis, was allowing Al Horford to cut him off. Yo, I was oh my crying. God. Crying. No, 100%. So that's why I feel Giannis, Giannis is, it's, I think his next couple of years is going to be tough because you actually make it so much more difficult for all the other players because nobody fears you. So yeah. I can put my worst defender on Giannis to now, make my better defenders guard guard the 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 others which yeah, yeah, yeah. is what's most important for Giannis right you know what i mean so i don't see how they can come close to stopping the nets because the nets are exactly what their poison is yeah yeah i mean that's that's fair man that's definitely fair that's definitely fair now what do you think about what's going on with the lakers do you think that the lakers are in trouble the fact that Anthony Davis is now, you know, they they originally ruled him out two to three weeks with the calf strain. When I heard the news, because I know injuries so well, I automatically looked at it like, yeah, two to three weeks, I'm looking at it as four to six. And then they came out and said he's definitely going to be out four plus weeks. So, you know, is this a concern for the Lakers going forward in regards to this season and also potentially next season? Because, if that thing tears, man, they're not going to have them next year. And what does this do to their – first of all, what does it do to their championship window? Because LeBron James we – don't, we don't know how long LeBron is going to play. And the fact that he's, he's playing so many minutes right now, that wasn't the plan. Like, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts about the Lakers? Do you think that they need to make a move or do they just need to stand packed and just wait for AD to get healthy and then, you know, make that playoff push that we all know that they will? Well, the one thing that I the one thing that I know that the Lakers 
geared up with was defenders. So you have Carwell Pope who's a willing defender, Wesley Matthews who knows, you know, his job yeah. as far as what he does in the NBA or what keeps what, what keeps his job. Have to have AD. There's no way possible. Now, only anybody on the inside knows. Now, because I feel like if you jump the gun, yeah, and it doesn't pan out, you look 10 times worse than if you didn't jump the gun. Yeah. And you actually believed in your product. Right. Right. So I know with uh, AD's injury, it's like a degrading injury more so than an actual injury, correct? With his Achilles in his calf? Well, that's the thing. It, it, you know, calf strains and a, they're more, I, I call calf strains the silent killer because it's what happened with KD in the playoffs. They ruled it as a calf strain and what ended up happening, they cleared him and he ended up cracking, you know, popping the Achilles. The Achilles is very hard to diagnose because everything is attached, right? Yeah. So yeah. They look, they're looking at all this pressure and all this inflammation in the calf when, when really and truly it's actually coming from lower than that. But if there's no significant tear, they can't say that it's actually an Achilles issue. It's going to feel like a calf strain. That's yeah. what's going on with AD. And I don't see, I don't see how rest four to six weeks is going to help. I just don't see it. I, I, I think that they're in, they're in a real trouble here, real trouble with this injury, because this is not going to go away. This is going to be a lagging, nagging injury that may end up costing them another year and a half. Yeah, man. And, 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 and we all know Braun don't got that kind of time to yeah, uh, yeah. solidify his legacy that he's trying to solidify. Right. Well, I mean, if I'm if if I'm the if I'm the Lakers, I'm riding it out. Yeah, just because I know the potential of the situation. Now, what I think helps them is that they could probably hold AD off way longer yes. than they should. Right. Um, because I I don't think Braun is caring about first place. No, you know, no. being first in the West and all that, that doesn't matter to him. Yeah. Yeah, I think playoff once playoff comes. But I do believe that Braun playing all these minutes, it's a detriment. It hurts just because it was the short, it was a shortened off season. Yes. He's, I'm sure he went in with a minutes restriction to basically gear him for the rest of the year until potentially playoff time. Um, but in, and now, like you said, he's seeing so much minutes. Who knows? But again, we're still talking LeBron James. The guy's a freak, a freak of nature. Right. You know what I mean? So we, we we don't really know, but I do believe no AD, no chip. It is, it's it's not it's impossible. AD does and affects way too much that complements, let's say, LeBron James. Yeah. It wouldn't happen because LeBron, what LeBron is missing to continue these wins, nobody else in that team can provide. Yeah, exactly. And definitely. Now I don't know what they can do trade-wise. Um, but if you're trading, what, what are you trading? Like, what, 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 do you, what would you trade? Like, what, what do you think would be like a, 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 a good scenario to kind of like hold the fort down? You know what I mean? Until AD can return. Well, I, I don't think that I, I'm hearing there's a lot of, you know, rumor that they're trying, that they're looking at Mo Bamba from the Orlando Magic. But wow. the problem with that is that who are you, who are you sending to Orlando? 
they're so far over the taxpayers, you know, uh, uh, you know, thing that, you know, the, the penalty or whatever it is that they have to make sure that they very, that they get close to matching whatever Mobamba's contract. I think it's like five and a half million dollars, but are you sending Thornton Tucker there? You're not sending him there because he's a part of your future. Are you going to give up on on Mark Gasol? No, you're not going to do that because he's only making like two and a half million dollars anyway. There's yeah. a th- there's not much wiggle room that they have to make a trade. That's this is where they're in now. Where they're going to strike, you know, strike gold is in the is in the buyout market. I'm you know, there's rumors that Blake Griffin, one of your all time favorite players. Oh, Blake you know. Griffin, Blake Griffin has some interest in joining the Lakers if he is bought out. What do, do you think that at this stage of his career, does he have anything left to give? Because Blake Griffin hasn't, he hasn't dunked a ball in two years. I was just yes. about to say that. He I just, has, I just he, seen a video. He that is a shell of dunked since 19. Yeah, he has, he is a shell of himself physically. Okay, so let me let me ask you let me ask you a question then. So yeah. when Blake went to Detroit, yes. Now I don't remember it too clear, but I don't remember him going to Detroit and being excited about being. No, no. He, he remember he was not happy about getting traded in the first place because remember exactly. He, he so signed now, he signed a deal with with the Clippers that off season, and then mm-hmm. when he was eligible to get traded, they shipped him out to to, to Detroit. Exactly, yeah. and that's what I was gonna say because I remember he wasn't happy to be in Detroit. No. Now. I parallel this to Dwight Howard. Okay. Dwight Howard played for all these teams and the drive wasn't there. Yes. Right? So when you seen him come back to the Lakers last year, what was everybody saying about Dwight? Oh my God, LeBron uh, 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 revived. Yeah, Yeah, basically resurrected Dwight Howard. He's almost looking like the old Dwight. He's playing hard. You can see it. Now, I look at Blake and say, is he missing a LeBron James push, right? Because remember, before AD got to LA, he was hurt every other game. Yeah. Injury prone every other game, he's AD sitting out. That's why I never picked him in fantasy. (laughs) Right? So now he's on the LeBron diet and all this kind of stuff. And he's fighting, you see him fighting through injuries. Yes. yes. So I, I do believe if Blake was to come, I don't care what anybody says. When you know you're going to play with someone like Kobe, LeBron, Mike, you can't come in there half-stepping. That's true. You know what I mean? So could it be something that Blake needs? Potentially. Who knows? Because think about it. What what drive do you have in Detroit? None. If, if If you're an older body where you can't take the abuse the way you used to, you're going to kill yourself and make it worse only to still go 25 and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You understand what I'm saying? So yeah. if you give Blake, I, and, and this could just be me being a fan, I've always been a fan. If you can give Blake the opportunity to come to LA where the demand of work is not that much, give him his spots and his spurts, he's going to excel. Because now you take 35 minutes of dependency and you drop it to 10 minutes of dependency, I'm able to give you more in 10 than I would give you in 30. Right. 
right? So you having LeBron doing that, why not? I, I can guarantee you'd catch a dunk at 21. <laughs> I can guarantee you that, you know? Yeah, and then, yeah. God willing, you have AD who comes back. Then you have AD beating up on the power forwards, and then you send in Blake right behind him. Right. No, that's going to that's gonna be a problem. Yeah, I, listen, you know, I, I remember when I heard the news, I was like, yeah. Then I was like, no, I don't want this to happen because he's Clipper scum. I don't want any Clipper scum <laughs> on my team. And, and, and then I thought about it, you know, as a, <laughs> I, I had to get my hate out of there. And I said, you know, from a basketball standpoint, Blake Griffin has a skill set. He can be, he's a, he's a, he's a very good passer. He, he turned himself into a very good outside shooter. Mm-hmm. He's not, he's never been a great defender and physically, you know, as his body, you know, starts to slow down and deteriorate a little bit, he's going to be a, an even worse defender, but he does bring a skill set to this team, especially off the bench. If you're, like you said, if you're playing him 20, 25 minutes a game, you can be able to keep his body fresh without asking a lot from him because you have other guys that you can be able to throw in to help him. You have a Montrezl Harrell, you have a Mark Gasol, you have Kyle Kuzma, you have all of these guys. And then when AD comes back, so there's a lot of things that they can be able to do with a Blake Griffin. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be mad if it happened. If they bought him, if you know, if Detroit bought him out and he ends up signing a, a, a short deal with the Lakers, I, I'll be okay with it. But he is, he is Clipper scum. And, and, and you got you got to open up the basement door. No, 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 no. Let him upstairs, leave, man. Leave him downstairs with the dehumidifier <laughs> and the space heater. Leave, <laughs> leave him down. There. All right. But um, you know, what are your thoughts also on the Utah Jazz? Everybody is talking about the Jazz. They're busting everybody up. Do you think the Jazz are for real? Um, I think in, in, in my opinion, I think. They're the same jazz from last year. Yes, yes, they are. <laughs> um, I don't I don't think they did anything this year that impressed me personally. Yeah. I think they're continuing what they did last year. Right. But the only the only problem with a jazz team like that is that they're gonna have to run into Denver again. Yes. Like if when you look at even last night's game, Clippers didn't play that well. In the fourth quarter, they did well. And, and I do want to talk to you about Paul George, too. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but any team that's able to, because you'll never be able to stop, you know, Donovan Mitchell and, and Gobert. But if you can have some kind of containment with those two, you easily beat them. Right. You easily beat them. And I go back to last year's playoff when Donovan Mitchell went for like, what was it? When he destroyed. That, he averaged like 40 for, for the series. He destroyed them, but all they did was they said, all right, cool. We're going to let him go crazy, but we're just going right. to do everything on the, like, we're going to do everything with the others to not allow it to happen. Because all they do now is pick and roll, and they, they, they do pick and roll basketball. Joe Ingles is, he, to me, is a shell of himself. Yeah. He got injured, and he came back from his injury, and he's not even playing great ball, but they're still killing people. Right. And yeah. everybody knows basketball is a game of runs. And yes. right now, the they're Jazz hot. are just hot. They're hot, yeah, yeah. They're hot, dude. They're hot, and their confidence is building too. So, but they're not—they're not nothing exceptional for me. I think they're the same Jazz from last year. Now, listen, I 100% agree with you, man. I—I I think what 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 separates them from last year is the fact that Bogdanovich is now healthy. 
Uh, you have you have um Clarkson. That's balling Clark, out of control. Clarkson is too, playing yeah. well. Clarkson is playing mm-hmm. well. You got Mike Conley. That's actually healthy, and he looks he looks like himself again. He didn't look like himself last year. So you know you have these extra two guys here that are that are you know producing and they're contributing. It's great. What's going? What holds this team back is the same person that's been holding them back for years. It's <laughs> go bear. I knew you were gonna. Say. You know that I've been consistent with my Rudy Gobert criticism. You cannot be paying a guy 37, 38 million dollars to average 13 points a game, 13 rebounds, and two and a half blocks. They do not need a guy like that with that with that cap uh uh um structure on their team. If they were if they were to trade a Rudy Gobert and to get another, you know, 3 and D wing or another superstar wing or star wing and then get a rim running big, they'd be the same team. They'd literally be the same team. They don't, you could, you can take out Rudy Gobert, put in a Nerlens Noel with a, with a, with a, uh, uh, another wing star like Donovan Mitchell. That team is still good. It's still good. Yeah. 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 Agreed. So Agreed. they're, they're going to go as far as Rudy Gobert can take him. And Rudy Gobert can't take you any farther than the curb. So this is <laughs> what's wrong with them is that, you know, they're not going to be able to. To kind of use him in the playoffs, because think about the teams that go small. What are you doing with a Rudy Gobert in the playoffs? Yeah, can't do nothing but yeah. sit him. Yeah. So you, you know that's thirty-eight million dollars on your bench. Not. And if producing. you remember, if you remember against Denver, Jokic had him on the perimeter. Yeah, yeah. Like he so, played good defense against Jokic, but at the end of the day, he you can't slow down Jokic. Yeah, yeah. And 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 but and and, and any other team who goes against, and I, I don't know. I, I, I do like what jazz to me is a tricky team. I think I give Gobert a little bit more credit than you give him. <laughs> <laughs> Only cause his height. And I do believe his numbers are terrible for a yeah. person making that kind of money. He should be 20 and 15. He, easy, easily, easily. Um, But again, you know, their, their offense isn't geared around getting Correct. Gobert 20. Yes. You know, like Donovan Mitchell dominates that offense. And um, I do give Gobert. I think he's a center that a lot of NBA teams would want. Of course. I, I think I think when you make that kind of money, your expectation. Yes, exactly. Is, it goes up. Is, is what goes up. So yes. when you're not meeting those guidelines of 37 million, immediately you look worse than what you actually are. And that's right. why I say. He's he's a decent big man, but he's getting star quality yes. money. Yes. So him averaging 13, which is terrible. Yeah. Awful. Just because he out, he's he's way taller than the average big man on the court. Yeah, so the free. fact that he can't dominate for an easy 20. Yeah, is, it bothers is, me. It's is crazy. Yeah, it bothers crazy. me, man. Every time, listen, it's I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, maybe I'm a little biased, but every time I see Rudy Gobert, I just get upset. <laughs> like the game the game don't even have to start yet and i'll see you go and i get upset because it's like i know i, I know what I, I know what i'm getting i know at the, at the end of the night it's gonna be 14 points 19 rebounds three blocks and it's like I, no that's not what i want out of somebody making that t- that, that type of cheese man i don't, right, I don't are need you that. are you at least happy with the blocks per game i am happy listen he's a great defender i get it but that's not worth 37 million dollars it ain't yeah that's worth, that's worth about 15. 
Yeah, I, and that's the thing. Once you come back with the argument of 37 million, you always win. Right, exactly. You always win. There, there's no way to lose that, dude. There's no way to lose that. Now, now, you know, you you wanted to talk a little bit about uh the man that I can't I, I really don't like to say his name on my show, but Paul George. <laughs> what do you what what about you, George Paul? Yeah, George Paul, Waldo <laughs> George, Panic P, you know. What what are your thoughts on him? You 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 had some you had something to say about about the Clippers and you know the Clippers right now I think they're twenty two and nine they're playing well but to me they still look like a team that doesn't like to play with each other like they look like a team that they're just out there they're just out there with the talent they have talent but they don't look like they like each other. What are your thoughts about the Clippers and Paul George? Well, if you look at like I, I look at what Montrez Harrell said. Yes. When he, when he spoke about the uh, when he spoke about the Clippers, when he was saying Kawhi practices when he wants, he plays when he wants. Same thing with same. I think he said the same thing with Paul same, George. Yes. Yes. When you have that chemistry, is like chemistry with any team is obvious. Yes. To any basketball eye, you notice when a team is in sync. Right. This team is nowhere near in sync. No, they're not. They're not in sync at all. It just looks like they have a bunch of good players that go out there and just kind of play wreck. Yeah, exactly. Like basketball. Yes. Because yes. when when Paul George comes off the screen, everybody stops and move, move, and you know Kawhi, same thing. Um, but what, the reason why I mentioned Paul George was because he falls under the same category of I need two or three players. Right. Right. It's just because he's able to dribble, he's able to shoot, he's able to dunk, we automatically put him on the pedestal. Yes. Of being that kind of player, especially the play he was in Indiana. Right. Because his potential in Indiana looked like he was the next up and coming. Next Tracy McGrady. 100%. So us giving him that expectation and then him disappointing you every year, every year, it's our fault. Yeah. For continuing to hold him at that it's with true. that expectation. Yeah. You know what I mean? So every year you're gonna keep saying Waldo P. He's not playoff P. Yeah, because he's actually not. Yeah. He, Why he, are we he even gave justifying? It, he gave himself that name. Nobody gave him that name. It, it, but that's it, but that's what I'm saying. So right. him, even him saying that and us buying into it, yes, and then buying his bad product. <laughs> we're, the, we're the ones left like yo, I bought this trash. Exactly. I, I bought you know, this, I bought this defective shirt for, exactly, for, for $70. Like, like, damn it, if I just had the receipt, <laughs> I could just take the sucker back. You you get what I'm saying? So yeah. And I, that's why I was I feel like it's our like it's our fault yeah. with Paul George. It's our fault. Now, don't get me wrong, he came into the season with the mindset of Business, yeah. You know what? I'm glad you lost the receipt. Yeah. Because he, because he, he was balling. But at the end of the day, dude, he's gonna show himself because pressure affects different people differently, bro. Correct. Yes. Ka Kawhi Leonard is built for pressure. Right. He's proved it. Paul George is not built for pressure. Right. The best pressure situation they put him in was OKC. Yeah. It was OKC. And he ran. In that, in that market, he had the helm to ISO ball. Right. 
he listen he if he wanted to he could have had the city if he wanted to and you know oh the, the Oklahoma City that that fan base they're so loyal to their players you know they they you know as long as you play hard and you you commit to the organization they will love you forever and yeah. you, you know that 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 to me I think when I started to sour on Paul George is when he said that he wanted to be in LA then he ended up you know, getting traded to the OKC Thunder. Then, you know, come free agency time now, he doesn't even give the Lakers an interview or 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 a sit-down because he's like, oh, well, you should have traded for me. You should have traded the house for me. That's not good business. Why would I trade the house for you when I know I can be able to sign your ass to free agency and keep all my young players and we have a team? We have a team to put around you. But your ego is too is too high that you think that people are supposed to trade everything for you. You're not LeBron James. Exactly. And you're, not you're, not even, you're not even built to take over a team. Right. You're not exactly. You're not built to be a number one. So why would they do that? And it's like everywhere he's gone, that follows him. That 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 black cloud just follows Paul yep. George. I agree. And, and the thing is, for Kawhi Leonard, it, it's really poetic to me that – he pulled this power move to go to L.A., and you chose that guy to team up with? Of all the people, you could have waited a year. You could have been like, you know what, let me go to L.A. by myself for one year. Let me average 35 points a game. Let me put up, you know, let me, let me play 40 games for this season, call it a wrap, and maybe I can recruit somebody else. No, 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 you called that guy. You do, called- you think, do you think the pressure of Toronto is what caused – Kawhi to make that rush decision? No, I, I, I think what happened with, with, with Kawhi is that he was the man and he mm-hmm. pulled power moves that only guys in his position can do. Like mm-hmm. Uncle Dennis, you know, we heard rumors about Uncle Dennis asking for obnoxious things from teams. Yeah, and, you, you talk about you talk about Uncle GM Dennis? Right, right. <laughs> and Masayu Jerry was like, man, you got to be crazy. Like, I think there was a rumor that said that Kawhi in the camp had asked them to trade um, them to trade Pascal Siakam for Paul George. And, and, uh, and Masai was like, nah, not going to happen. So Mm -hmm. Kawhi was pulling all of these power broker moves behind the scenes. And think about this. Think about how desperate the Clippers have to be. Right. Rumor is that Kawhi Leonard went to management and said, look, man, I'm going to sign with the Lakers if you guys don't get me Paul George. <laughs> so what as as the organization, what do you do? Is either you bend to his will or you're going to lose him to the Lakers. So yeah. he knew that he can pull that type of nonsense with them because the Clippers organization and that franchise has been desperate for decades. There's no, They have nothing. They have nothing. And now they have two guys on their team. They now signed Paul George to a five-year extension worth two hundred twenty-something million dollars. They they have Kawhi Leonard for at least this year. We don't know what's going to happen next year because he, you know, this is the last year that he can be able to. I think he has a player option for next season, so we'll see if he extends or he leaves. But they are stuck with these two personalities that don't fit together. They just don't fit together. This team does not fit together, and they're just going through the motions. And I'm not going to lie to you. I love it. I love to see it. 
I love to see it. They're, 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 share, yeah, they're sharing. What makes, crazy, what makes it beautiful is that you got crazy Pat Bev. Yeah, not <laughs> job Pat, Pat Bev. Not job Pat Bev in, in the whole process. Like, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's, I don't know, man. I don't know. You know, yeah, it, I, but I, I mean, I do, like, to me, Clippers have potential. They do. Now, I, I do believe they need more. Yeah. They definitely need more. Um, because if, if you, the beauty, I think, with Toronto for Kawhi was that they had Kyle Lowry. They had a ready-made team already. They, they, they had leadership already. He didn't have to be a leader. Exactly. Yeah. They had somebody who, because everybody knows Kawhi is not a vocal dude. No, no. He's not a vocal dude. So when you had a leader in Kyle Lowry who already established some type of chemistry or bond with the team that yeah. they all understand each other. Right. Kawhi, being a quiet dude, I come to play, fit right in. Exactly. They didn't worry about it. It's not hard to him. fit into a system like that. Yeah. All I got to yeah. do is come and play my hardest and we're going to win and right. they win a trip. Right. But the reason why I was saying was when he left Toronto after winning a championship, do you think it's a smart thing to like, would you, and that's why I was asking you, do you think it was the pressure? Because would a player of his caliber go to another team and then say, I'm going to sacrifice another year fresh off of a championship? Well, that's I why I feel like his, his call for Paul George was rushed simply because he felt like, all right, I just won a championship with Toronto. If I can go to the Clippers, who's available? Because I need to win another chip. Well, I think, I think. Because I think, remember, all year it was, you guys. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no go ahead. Finish. Finish your point. No, I, I was saying that I, he, got an, he got another player who was not like him, but had similarities. Paul yes. George, everybody knows, was, was not, not as much before, but was a willing defender. Yes. He can shoot. He can dribble. He can, he can actually play the game. He can kind of compliment Kawhi, which yes. is what we thought initially. Yes. Now they were playing defensively. They were amazing because the team was just amazing. They still had Montrezl Harrell. Yes. They had the players that were good enough to win a championship. They just couldn't do it because you can see they have no real chemistry. Right. So that's why I feel like he rushed with Paul George because the pressure of leaving a championship to then going to another team and then doing terrible would make him look that much worse for leaving Toronto, you know? Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I sort of agree with your point. I think what happened with, with uh, Kawhi Leonard is that I think he overplayed his hand. I think that what happened with him mm. is that he thought that he was he was made, like he was king-made in regards to, okay, I, I went to Toronto, I won the chip. People are going to flock to L.A. to want to come play with me because yeah. of what I just did. And when that didn't happen... He was looking at it like, hey, 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 Jimmy, you want to come to L.A.? Nah, man, I'm going to Miami. Hey, hey, uh, Kyrie, you want to come to L.A.? Nah, I'm going to Brooklyn. Hey, KD, you want to come to L.A.? Nah, I'm going to Brooklyn. Like, everybody already had their plans, and he didn't realize that he didn't have the cachet to be able to lure these top names to the Clippers because that's what he wanted. He thought that the Clippers were going to be the next – Mm. you know the biggest show yeah. on, on on earth because he can go ahead and win the championship in toronto and then build this conglomerate dynasty 
on the Clippers and then possibly win back-to-back championships with two different organizations, he would have been made. They were already, yeah. they were already, if if you remember the ESPN, you know, they, they had some tickers that were going on around that time that they were comparing him to Jordan, like what he was doing. I'm like, okay, I see what's going on now. I see the narrative that they're trying to push. So obviously that's going to, you know, as, as if you have, if you have your your entourage, your team, you're they're gonna be feeding this stuff into you. Like, listen, man, yo, we can be able to, to go here and we can be made. Like, guys are gonna be wanting to come here, flock here, and we're gonna be able to dominate the league. That's what he thought was gonna happen, but he but he definitely overplayed his hand. So, you know, they they he has what he has, and I I don't I don't know what's gonna happen in the future. But do you see do you see Kawhi Leonard actually staying with the Clippers after the season? No, <laughs> right, right. I, I to, but but to be honest, I don't see why because I feel like the floor is crumbling from right under him. It's yeah. just getting worse and worse, and and I don't even mean by the even the media alone is yeah. just getting worse and worse because and again I go back to the word expectation because expectation because no matter what Kawhi does, he can always just blame the organization and get off. Yeah, because he's proven. Right, he's won he's two shown titles. that I can, yes. I can go I can go to a team and will a team to a championship. I right. showed you that I can do it. So this is not something you've never seen before. Right, it's a it's a it's a you issue, not me. Right. Yeah, one hundred percent. So he can just say, "Look, dude, it's the Clippers. They have no clue how to manage a team and all this kind of stuff." I want out, and any other team is still going to say, "Kawhi, we I, listen. I need you." Yes, exactly. Exactly. You know what I mean? So I think that the real person that would have the problem with that would be Paul George. Paul George would be stuck with a situation that's just uh, uh, sucky for him because he has, no matter what he does, he's just going to look back. Wouldn't that be fitting for me? Wouldn't yeah, and, fitting? And, and, and I was going to say, and then BJ is on the radio doing a whole Paul George segment. <laughs> and then he's going to throw a little Rudy Gobert in there. <laughs> ah, Rudy Gobert, that man. Now, you know, let's let's... Let's talk a little football before we uh we 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 close out. Now, what are your thoughts about the whole Deshaun Watson situation? Like, do you think that it's smart for Houston to trade him? And if he does get traded, where do you think the perfect fit for him is? Oh, you know, you know what team I'm gonna say. I I do believe if you're Houston, you you have a gem on your hands. Yeah. So whatever your plan is. It doesn't matter what your plan is. Deshaun Watson can start it. Yeah, exactly. Because there's no team in the NFL right now besides, you know, Kansas City or right. teams like that that wouldn't want Deshaun, wouldn't want Deshaun Watson. He's a top and five quarterback. Player, and that's a player you give almost a house for you can. Yeah. You know what I mean? And to me, you know, I say some San Francisco. <laughs> but But here's the thing now. I'm hearing rumors about San Francisco that they would be willing – to part with a Nick Bosa. And that's where I, that's the only thing that makes ah, me uncomfortable. Yeah. Now, I mean, the only, I mean, I wouldn't say good thing because injury is never a, a, a good thing, but you're also still talking about someone fresh off of an ACL. Now, it's not like basketball. Yeah. Football is way more overpowering. Especially it's on the defensive way, line. Yeah. And exactly. And he's on a line where, that's probably one of the most important ligaments to have at a hundred percent. Right. Um, Nick, man, 
San Francisco was amazing defensively. Yes, they were. So you 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 giving up Nick Bosa is to me that that's a huge that's a huge chunk. Now we just got the uh, the defensive tackle too the uh, yeah. the young the, the young guy. So to our front line is elite. Our front line our front line is always amazing. Yeah. So I mean to be honest with you, like I feel I wouldn't even know how to feel about that. I wouldn't even know how to because Nick Bosa is a <laughs> problem. They are so scared of him, dude. I watched the game. And I literally just watch him defensively. Yeah. Now nah, he's an animal, man. He's an animal. Yeah, he ch- he changes a game. He yeah. he's a complete game changer. And every team needs that. Man. Right. Every team needs someone like that. Now, my thing is too. JJ Watt is getting old. Yeah, I'm sure he's not looking for nothing. Nah, he's not I'm, looking for no big change like that. Yeah, I'm sure he's not looking for top dollar. Now, if I'm San Francisco. Can I trade off Nick Bosa, maybe a draft pick, uh, some other pieces, and go for Deshaun Watson and then have a conversation with J.J. Watt? Because I could see him filling in Nick Bosa's shoes and I would say causing the same habit because Nick Bosa is just different. Yeah, yeah. I, but why not? Why not? I, mean, I, 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 I don't see why not. Yeah, I mean, listen, San Francisco makes a ton of sense if the the Texans, you know, do give in to Deshaun Watson's demands. But here's the problem with Deshaun Watson. The fact that he's making $39 million a year and you're going to want to, you're going to want such an overhaul for him. You're going to want three first round draft picks. You're you're probably going to want another young player to just kind of spice up the deal. You're literally Carmelo anthony your team just to acquire a Deshaun Watson. So Mm -hmm. he wants to leave the Houston Texans because he doesn't trust management, but as well as the product on the field, that there's not enough talent to be able to help him win, right? If you go ahead and Mm -hmm. change the location, you're going to have to gut the team anyway to get him. So and think put about him it. right back in the situation. And put him back into the same from. situation. So, like, <laughs> you know, you had the Jets. Everybody's talking about that the Jets are a perfect situation because they have the cap space. They have the draft capital. You know, it's a perfect situation for Deshaun to play in because it's a big market. He can be able to excel in a big market. But if you put that $39 million in there and give up all of those draft picks and they don't have any weapons on the outside because they need to fill that team out, he's going to be in the same situation. If you, I'm hearing about uh, Carolina as well, they're thinking about trading uh, Christian McCaffrey and a couple of picks for Deshaun Watson. Now, if you trade McCaffrey, what else do you have on that team? You don't have anything. So, so, so every situation that Deshaun Watson finds himself in, it's going to be a team that does not have much. <laughs> and to me, it's like, all right, we understand that Houston made some terrible decisions. They gave Bill O'Brien too much power to allow him to be able to trade this, uh, uh, DeAndre Hopkins for nothing, all because they had a personal problem, right? We, we, we get that. But they fired him. They hired a new GM. They hired David Culley as their head coach. They have Lovey Smith as their defensive coordinator. They got two black men that are leading the charge for their, their, their coaching staff try to give them a shot to try to fix this like give them a chance to try to correct the wrongs that they've made and that that's the way i look at it okay so you want Deshaun watson to stay yes he's a franchise quarterback 
How how many yeah. players can you actually say, or how many times in history can you actually say that a top five quarterback in his prime, not even in his prime, he's 25 years old, gets traded? It doesn't happen. It yeah. doesn't happen. Yeah. So, like, as a franchise, it's like, yo, we gave you this money because we are investing in you. We don't we didn't give you the money to trade you. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, I, I just I don't see. I don't see how any other situation football wise is going to be conducive. Maybe front office in regards to him trusting the front office. Okay, cool. But on the on the field is, is, is where you're going to make your, 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 your money, not the trust or the lack of trust that you have in the front office. If you don't have the players to be able to help you win, it's going to end bad for you, no matter how much money you're making. Now, what do you, now, what do you believe Houston should, because, if he's going back to Houston, right? He's going back to what? Well, they have, they have, they have, they have cooks. They have, you know, they, their, their weapons are average. They don't have mm-hmm. great weapons. Yeah. But you, but I, I can see how they can tr- possibly be able to restructure some deals, and you know, maybe they don't have, they don't have first round picks for this year, or next year. But you know, they need to possibly. Get a better scouting department. Draft some offensive linemen. There's a ton of receivers in this draft that you can be able to get in the second round, third round, fourth round. This talent is wide receiver driven. It really is. There's some good running backs that you can be able to get in this in, in this draft. You know, in the the second, third, fourth rounds. So there's some there's some skill position players that you can be able to surround Deshaun Watson with. Now, are yes. they going to be ready this year? No, but they're going to be ready. A, 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 you know, two years from now. So, you know, it's, it's just when you're a quarterback, when you're the leader of the team, every organization goes through their cyclical periods where it's up and down. Like, you know, you're going to have your struggling times. You're going to have your fruitful times. They're struggling right now. Who's to say that they, they, they can't turn it around with this new regime with David Cully, with, with uh, Lovey Smith. Who, who, who's to say that? Yeah. And, and also, but you know what I think it is too, is, uh, him making that much money. If do do you believe that him making that much money, and anything short of a decent season, he's going to get bashed simply of because he's making that kind of money? Of course. So I so to me, I think if he stays there this year, and they don't even have a decent season. In my, I think it makes the coaches, even though it's probably not really what it is, but it actually makes the coaches look worse. And it gives them more reason to be able to now seek a trade. Like if you give it a shot for a year and it doesn't work out, mm-hmm. then okay, cool. Then you know, let them figure it out. But I would, I would hope that he tries to give them a shot. Just give it a chance to see if if things can be able to work out. That's just my, that's just my opinion. I, I think yeah. I'm in the minority with that particular take. But I just, I just look at it like, listen, you're the quarterback of the team. It's going to be very hard for them to move you. Like, look, look at what we just saw with Philadelphia and Carson Wentz. They literally traded him for pennies. Yeah, yeah. But do you think? But do you think that was more because of his production? No, it's more. It's the fact that the, he had soured on the organization. The mm. fact that. He's your high-priced quarterback. He's your highly paid quarterback, and you decide to bench him for a rookie that can't throw the football. 
Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. That was that was bad work. Like, think about it. How do you how do you go back to Carson Wentz after going to him? After going to Jalen Hurts, you seeing how terrible he looks throwing the football. There's no weapons around uh, uh, Carson Wentz. The offensive line is poor. Everybody's hurt. But you're blaming Wentz for the reason why the the team looked bad? No. So as Wentz, he's gonna be like, Nah, I'm good. And there's there's a there's a rumor out there, a report that. Him and Doug Peterson didn't speak for like 10 weeks. 10 to 12 weeks out of the season, he didn't say a word to Doug Peterson. Wow. He was done. He was done. Yeah. Because if, yeah. he, if he's looking at like, yo, you're supposed to trust me to be able to figure this out. I'm taking all these sacks. I'm taking all these hits. And you benched me for a rookie? Yeah, it's not even Nick yeah. Foles. It's not even Nick Foles you benched before, right? If it was Nick Foles, <laughs> yeah, he could probably understand it because Nick Foles has a statue in front of the the, the day Marina. But yeah, for a rookie, nah, get me out yeah. of here. Get me out of here. Yeah, man. Uh that's yeah, that's the suck you say. I just I just think Carson Wentz has terrible luck. Yeah, his his I think the the luck that he's gotten since he's gotten it. But and the, and the crazy thing is that he's actually a decent quarterback. He's not bad. He's not bad. He's not. He's definitely not bad. Like I do believe that the year he got hurt when Foles took over, seventeen. I believe he could have still potentially took him to that chip. Listen, he was he was the leading candidate for the MVP before he got yeah. hurt. Yeah, I, I I do believe that. Now after after that year, I seen the decline. Right. It was just it was just a decline. I, I like I don't look at him now as a good quarterback anymore. No, no, you, you but it, but then again, it, it could be situational. His line is terrible, he has yeah. no weapons. Right. Um, you know, so that that I'm sure can play can play a role. Um, but now, you know, with everything that's going on with Doug Peterson, I you can kind of understand. But I tell you what though, he's gonna ball out. Yes, he is in Indianapolis. Because remember, here's the thing: the offensive coordinator that was on the team that that year in 2017 when he had his MVP, uh, you know, a season prior to getting hurt was Frank Reich, who's the head coach of the Indianapolis uh, Colts, Frank Reich. Mm. This so is he's why, going, so he's essentially going home. Yes. So I remember, I remember when they benched him the first time I said to Guido, I said, he's going to call to the Colts. You know that, right? Frank Reich wants his quarterback. That's his quarterback. That's the guy that made Carson Wentz look the best in the NFL. He's going to make sure that he looks good again. The Colts have a great offensive line. They have a good running attack. They got good young pieces on the outside. They have a good defense. Carson Wentz is yep. going to ball out. He's going to ball out. And this they season. had a great season this year also. With Phillip Rivers that turns the ball over. Exactly. Think With Phillip Rivers. Right. Who was a gunslinger. Right, right. Yeah, no, so for sure, I, I do believe uh, – Indiana is going to be a problem next yeah, year. They're going to be good. They're, they're, de good. they're definitely going to be a problem. Now, uh, yeah, go ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm listening. I'm listening. Yeah. What do you think about, you know, my Dallas Cowboys, man? What, what do you think about? It's so this? funny because I was just about this time. I was just about to bring up <laughs> this, this, this Dak Prescott, Jerry Jones situation here. Rich, I ain't going to lie to you, man. I, I am, I am in the minority with a lot of things. I don't want Dak Prescott to be on the team. I don't want him. Yeah, BJ, and I hate to agree with you on, on something like this, but I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. I don't think Dak 
is a cowboy like quarterback, man. No, I don't think he. I don't think he fits. I don't think he fits. But and but but and the crazy part to me is that when when you look at his numbers, yeah, it's deceiving as hell. Yes, you would look at his numbers and be amazed and say, "Yo, he's an amazing quarterback." That that's exactly. what, those are the numbers you want in a quarterback. But the eye test to me is what shows. I don't think. I don't think he's as good a quarterback as he needs. Like then again, you have Zeke, who I don't know what's going on with him. I, I don't see it. I mean, you guys have an amazing wide receiver core. You have the pieces to, I think, contend. And I just don't see because Dak is not really a. I don't look at him like a like 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 a like a quarterback that dominates. Yeah, he's not he's not a dominating he, quarterback. He's not he's not a he's not an Aaron Rodgers type of QB1. He's he, he's a starter, yes, but he's not like what we're hearing right now is that it's possible that Jerry is going to have to pony up 40 million dollars for Dak Prescott. No. No. If you pay Dak Prescott 40 million dollars, you can forget about ever contending for a playoff spot again because you're starting to see, like, you know, just to have a, a little context, Russell Wilson is starting to complain a little bit in Seattle. He's not making a big stink, but he's saying, listen, I would like to have some protection here. But mm-hmm. here's the problem. Russell Wilson was on one of the worst teams he's ever been on in his career. Offensively, they were terrible. The offensive line has always been terrible under him. The running game has always been bad. Their defense this year was one of the worst defenses in football ever, 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 ever. And to think about it, they traded two first round picks for a box safety in Jamal Adams. Think about that. Yeah. So, and, and, and I say all of this, why? Because how can they improve the team offensively as well as defensively when Russell Wilson is making 35 plus million dollars a year, you can't. So no, you can't. You you yeah. see you see it with Tom Brady. Tom Brady won a Super Bowl. Bro, you and, took the words right out of my mouth. And the this is the first time in Tom Brady's career, Rich, that he's made 25 million dollars. He's never made 25 million dollars other than this year. So we look. So we're talking about the greatest of all time, the greatest winner of of all time in football. And when he was in New England, he was taking fifteen million dollars, fourteen million dollars, seventeen million dollars, nineteen million dollars, mm-hmm. maybe maybe twenty on a year or two. He never made more than twenty five million dollars in a season. That's why he has look, seven Super Bowls. Exactly, and it makes him look genius because right. all he's telling teams is that I want to win. Yeah, that's all I care I'll about. I'll take 15 million less so that you can give me a piece right. that can solidify a championship oh. with me. Right. Now, it, yes. now when you're taking that 15 million and you're saying let me pocket it and not get nobody else, you 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 get what you asked for. Yeah, you set yourself you set yourself up for failure. Right. Now, I think Jerry Jones will be a complete complete idiot to give Dak Prescott who's unproven. Right. I I like, no matter how many years he's played, I still haven't seen that year from Dak where I was like, you know what? That's a franchise quarterback. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. I I still haven't seen it. So to give that to give him 40 million. Right. Now, don't get me wrong. Dallas has a they have a team offensively. Yes. They have a team. Now, to take 15 mil of that and go get some defenders. Right. Why not? Exactly. Why not? So I I do believe that them paying that much for Dak Prescott, which will put expectation on him, all he's going to do is just remain Dak Prescott. Exactly. Now he's coming off of injury, which is going to make him a little bit less than the record Dak Prescott. Exactly. Exactly. That's my whole point. Like, here's, here's people's logic. Like, I hear Dallas Cowboys fans all the time, and I have to scratch my head. I had this dude tell me, oh, yeah, now nah, they got to sign Dak because, you know, they gave Zeke his money. They gave Amari his money. They gave, you know, uh, uh, Demarcus Lawrence's money. Why not give uh, Dak his money? I said, oh, hold on, hold on. So your rationale for Dak getting paid is the fact that Jerry overpaid for all of these other guys, so he should just overpay for Dak too? That doesn't make sense. So the yeah. fact, so the fact that the one time in Jerry's life that he's actually trying to be fiscally responsible, everybody's killing him for it. Like mm-hmm. if Dak, if he signs Dak Prescott to forty million dollars, and Dak ends up like being like he doesn't, he doesn't meet the expectation. They're going to trash him. And what team is going to be able to take that money on? You're going to have to release him or try to restructure that deal, and you're still going to be on the hook in regards to cap hit wise. Like mm-hmm. look, look at the Eagles. They traded Carson Wentz and they're still on the hook for $33 million on their books. All because you made a mistake. Yeah. You don't want to make a mistake at the quarterback position. You can be able to make a mistake at the running back position. You saw the, the Rams, they were able to get out of that deal. You yeah, can, yeah, yeah. You can be able to make mistakes on the defensive side of the football or even at wide receiver. You cannot make a mistake at quarterback giving a guy that much money. Because you are going to pay for it and pay for it big. And yeah. that's my thing. So if if I'm Jerry Jones, if I'm Stephen Jones, I say to Dak, listen, we have this franchise tag here for you, but we are telling you don't sign it. Go hit free agency. And if you get a deal that is favorable to you, call us and let us know, and we'll see if we can match it. If not, you go ahead and take that deal. Or if we want to match it, then that's our choice. But I guarantee you, Rich, if Dak hits free agency right now, he's not getting forty million from anyone. From anyone. Yeah, no, I agree with that, and 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 I think that plan is perfect. Go out there to see how appealing you are. Yeah. The reality of his game and what other teams would want from him it's not 40 mil it's not 40 exactly. mil worth it's exactly. nowhere near 40 mil worth so because 20 i would and and i'm only saying this because of the injury i feel like he's somewhere in the 20s he's 20 he's 25 to 30 million dollars a year that's it that is and it. i wouldn't even go 30 right right i wouldn't even go 30 so if he want to sign a two mil a two-year deal and then say, look, you got two years to show us that you're actually worth something more. Because he's still young. He still has a lot of time. Right. He's what? And, he's 27, 26, something like that. And Tom Brady's showing you that you could do that 43. Listen, Tom Brady. 44, is, 45. Tom Brady is 59 years old, still winning. Yeah. <laughs> Which, yo, so, so that's why I think Dallas would be, it would be ridiculous to give that kind of money fresh off of that injury. Yeah. 
Dak's main Dak one of Dak's biggest strengths was his legs. Yeah. He was able to escape. He was right. able to get out the pocket, you know, to to help his game. Now you're talking about a guy who snapped his leg in half and you're going to take that chance. No. As much investments I'm sure Jerry's made. I know he doesn't think this is a good investment. Of course not. If he, if, no he thought, if he thought it was a good investment, he would have signed Dak a year ago. So Yeah, man. You know, it, it's it, it is what it is, man. But Rich, you know, we're we're, we're going to definitely wrap up now, but you know, before we wrap up, I'd like to do a little rapid fire where I ask you, you know, certain questions about certain guys or I just I just say who's better and you know, you give me an answer. This is just your opinion. We're not going to go back and forth on it. So, uh, I'm going to start with Better player, Tracy McGrady or James Harden? I'd, I'd go Tracy. Tracy, okay, okay. Who would you rather take, Steph Curry or Allen Iverson? Steph Curry. <laughs> Steph Curry, dude. Better point guard. John Stockton or Steve Nash? <sighs> Damn, these are good questions. <laughs> um, point guard? John Stockton. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Whose triple-double looked better? Jason Kidd or Russell Westbrook? Jason Kidd, hands down. Okay, who's better all time, LeBron James or Magic Johnson? Lebanon James. <laughs> I'll never, I'll never deny that because, uh, yeah. But you said we won't debate. Nah, go ahead, man. You can, you can go into it a little bit. Magic was great, and I'll never deny Magic being great. Magic didn't possess what Braun possessed, dude. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I don't care what nobody said. And I know I never really like to play the hypotheticals because at the end of the day, it's a different time, different day and age. But hypothetically, if you had LeBron running up and down those courts with those dudes on the court where on a team of 15 guys, 14 of them never hit the weight room, <laughs> <laughs> you could you imagine... Right. What it would be like? No. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, I, I take now the IQ. I don't think the IQ is that far off at all. No, it's not. I think this. I think skill set wise, uh, maybe magic. But I still see LeBron James being way. They, they, you, any team would have took LeBron James over Magic. Yeah. I don't yeah. Care yeah. What nobody said. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, let's see. Better big three. The Miami Heat. Heatles with LeBron, Wade, and Bosch, or the Brooklyn Nets? Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, yo, I, and I know everybody's always said you would never see a big three like Steph, Clay, KD. Bro, I don't think the NBA would ever see a big three like Kyrie, James Harden. You have three of the top four scorers in the NBA on one team. Right, three, three of the best one-on-one ISO guys in history. In history. Yeah, on, on one team. This yeah. will never, ever happen again. Right. Uh, let's see. Better quarterback, Aaron Rodgers or Pat Mahomes? Aaron Rodgers. Okay. 
better. Okay, here's a this is a cross sport question. Better winner, Tom Brady or Tim Duncan? Because they're very similar. Yeah, dude. They both both sacrificed money. They both won a lot of championships, and their organization dominated their their sport for for, for 20 years. I'll tell you why. I know it's not really debating, but it'd be quick. I'll tell you why I say Tom Brady. Because Tim Duncan had a bunch of Hall of Famers with him doing it. That's fair. Tom Brady had how many? Would you say? Uh and hmm. and 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 even some of the Hall of Famers that he had. Gronk is guaranteed to be a Hall of Famer. You got a uh, Randy Moss in there too. Right. Um, he's played with people, but he hasn't dominated with them all throughout. Yes. Tom Brady's been here. He's been like, you know, every team he's had has been different. And every year Tim Duncan won, the team was amazing. Yeah. Whereas Tom Brady, every team he won with wasn't amazing. Right. Uh, Let's see. Last one. Hmm. Better dynasty. Golden State Warriors or the Kobe and Shaq era. Kobe and Shaq era. Okay. No, no. I, I thought you would have probably brought up like the, the Magic Johnson Lakers. Nah, the, the, nobody compares. Nobody the compares sh- to those to, to Showtime. Showtime. Yeah, I was going to say, because the Showtime Lakers was something else, but Shaq, Shaq and Kobe's diamond, uh, dynasty looked way better. Yeah. Simply because it was homegrown. And they just took over. Right. V- versus how Golden State did it. Definitely. Golden now, State, yeah. Yeah, go Gold, ahead. Golden State called, they called for backup. Dude. They, right. they, uh, <laughs> they, 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 uh, they had they, the form, they, they, they had the form Voltron just to beat Braun, man. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, dude. They, they called, they, they called for the mighty morphin <laughs> power rangers, dude. They, you know, so, um, yeah, I th- that Lakers with Shaq and Kobe was that was unbelievable, and I was young and I was young then too. Watching them was way was way more entertaining because I feel like when you watch Golden State with Kevin Durant, yeah, everything they did it wasn't a surprise to you simply no, it wasn't. because it was expected. Yes, yes, I agree. You know what I, I mean? Even when Braun was violating everybody with Miami, it wasn't a surprise because it was expected. Yeah. So yeah. when the Lakers was going at it with Portland in the playoffs. Right. And, you know, the alley, the alley, the shack that that sealed the game. All of that stuff is exciting because yeah. it's a legitimate game. Like, right. you know what I mean? Or, or the battles that they had with Sacramento. Exactly. It was it. That was basketball yeah. versus like, dude, could you imagine if you had Shaq and Kobe and then they brought on Clyde Drexler? <laughs> You right. know what I mean? Right. Watching those three run up court now, whatever they do, nothing would be like, oh, did you hear what happened? You know what yeah, I mean? It's kind of right. be like, yeah, Clyde and Kobe was disrespecting everybody on the court with Shaq right. running up court. Yeah, not nah, nah, that's know? facts. That's facts. All right. And the last question I will ask you, my man, is who is the greatest athlete of all time in any sport, in your opinion? Did you watch the last dance? Don't do that, man. 
I got to give it to Jordan, bro. Jordan? I got I to give it to Jordan. Okay. Just, just, just because, like, I feel like we know what Jordan has done. But to see it. Yeah. Through a document, you know, through documentary lens at the end of the day, you know, that's something that's edited. But for Jordan to let all of those negative <laughs> characteristics about him as a leader. Yeah. Be out to the public. He basically showed you what it took to win, bro. Yeah. Yeah. And like he said, winning takes sacrifice to be a leader takes sacrifice. Yeah. So I just heard the other day, Isaiah Thomas made a statement where they said, I don't care what happens in this game tonight. Jordan's not going for 50 points. He was like, yo, do you know what happened that game? <laughs> Jordan went for 50. So I, that was probably the most unstoppable player I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, man. Between like, you know, I, I can't, I can't disagree with you in regards to Jordan's dominance. The other guy I can ever say that dominated a sport the way Jordan did is Tiger Woods and, and, and Wayne Gretzky in hockey. Like those are the only two guys that you can yes. actually put and say, Oh, they did things that didn't even make sense. And that's what Jordan did. So I can't, I'm not going to disagree with you on your point. That's your opinion. And, and you know, we, we're definitely going to go with that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, for sure, man, for sure. Well, listen, my man, it's been a pleasure. This has been fun. Like, you know, this is, this is like a regular, this is like a regular conversation that me and you have all the time. So the fact yeah, that we're we doing it on a podcast, like it, it, it makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Always, always fun, dude. And, and it always happens when we get on the phone and we're on the phone for hours and hours right. just talking about everything, man. But yo, thanks for having me, man. Once again, bro, I'm, yo, I know I'm your, you know, you my brother at the end of the day, but yo, when I tell you I'm your biggest fan, dude. Every time I see you live, I'm always locked in. Yeah. Everybody, everybody's always talking about the show. I see you got the uh I see you got the uh the, the clothes out now that looked amazing. Yeah, man. Um man, just keep doing what you're doing, bro. Keep doing what you're doing. It, it, they're crazy out there if they're not noticing nah, what you got going it. on. I appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. So I'll definitely talk to you soon, my man. All right, bro. Love you, bro. I'd like to thank my man Rich for coming on the show. It's always fun talking to him, man. It's always fun talking hoops, talking everything with him because he's he's a <laughs> He's a funny guy, man. Funny, funny guy. So I'll definitely have him on again, and then you know we can we can bash Paul George together. <laughs> Coming up after the break, the greatest segment on the planet, W of the week on a Saturday. It's all even. Yo, it's your man DJ G Money from that Flip the Script podcast. Okay. Yeah, we yeah, in the studio yeah. right now. Flip shut up. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 listen. Shout out to the All Even podcast. My oh, man Barry oh, Grant oh, Jr. Oh, 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 What's up, oh, man? Oh, 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 oh. What happened? What you, what you, what you want to say to the people? Shout out to somebody on your podcast. Yeah, my nigga, the joint. What's up? All Even. All Even podcast. Yo, it ain't even up here, boy. <laughs> we put this girl up All Even. Yo, you. Oh, my God. What's up with you, man? Now you, well, that's a shot of you keeping this? Yeah, keep all that. <laughs> you want to jump all in the even podcast, right? Yeah, all shout even. Shout out to All Even Podcast, right? Yeah. All Even. Uh, that's your man? My man. Fact. All right, shout out to All Even Podcast. You cool? 100%. He cool. Is he? he cool? Let me see. Is he cool? Yeah. Is he? Oh. 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 This is the God Jensen Gals. Just want to give a shout out to All Even Podcast, the best sports podcast out there. Keep up the amazing work. Also check us out at CigarGentsAndGals.com where everyday apparel for cigar smokers. 
Let's get it. What's going on? What's up with you? It's your boy, the Candyman, the ALFRE to the D. It's your boy, Alfred, from the Rap Lab Podcast. And it's the one and only True G. Just call me the QG from the Rap Lab Podcast. And you tuned in to All Even with Barry Grant. Boy, that shit crazy. Welcome back, y'all. So without further ado, the greatest segment on the planet, Dummy of the Week. Dummy. We pick candidates on Tuesday and Saturday, and then we pick the winner on that Saturday show. So Tuesday's candidate was the bouncer that got his ass knocked out by uh, Pac-Man Jones. Definitely a strong candidate, but not the winner. May I have the drum roll, please? And the winner is the Philadelphia Eagles, the entire organization. The Philadelphia Eagles are my because what a week they've had. What a week. They had to trade their franchise quarterback and got pennies for him. They didn't even get a traditional first-round pick. It it can change into a first-round pick if Carson Wentz plays, what, 75% of the snaps for the entire season. So they'll end up getting a first-round pick, which will mean absolutely nothing because the – Colts will be a good team but this is this just goes to show you how an organization can completely not know what they're doing so let me get this straight you can you can have this guy on your team he has to now live up to the statue that's in front of the the stadium of Nick Foles that won the Super Bowl the only Super Bowl in your history you give him all the money but you don't give him any weapons no offensive line. He looks terrible. He has to scramble around. He's, he's, he's getting hurt. And your remedy to help this poor guy is to draft Jalen Hurts in the second round of the draft. You also went to go get Jalen Rieger, which was a mistake because he's not like any of those other good receivers that came out in this draft this year. Clearly not. <laughs> That's the help that you got this guy. Then... When things don't work out and the team is a dumpster fire, bad offensive line, bad weapons on the outside, they got to call people off the street. You then bench said player and say, hey, listen, you know, we, we want to see what this second round guy out of Oklahoma has because we took him in the second round. What? You're going to put in the quarterback that can't throw a football to replace me? What did they thought was going to happen after they saw that Jalen Hurts can't throw the football? Huh? And here's the here's the funny part. After they make the trade, after they trade Wentz to the Colts, they end up putting out a press release or a report or whatever it says that they are now going to have a QB competition. <laughs> so you trade your quarterback and now you're going to bring in another quarterback that you have to pay to compete with Jalen Hurts for the starting job. That, that to me, is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, we're going to trade our franchise guy, and we're going to bring in some other guy to compete with the guy that can't throw the football. What? What? Maybe you should invest on getting some guys in here that can actually teach Jalen Hurts how to throw the football. Maybe that's a good idea. 
But we know that the, the Eagles don't have many good ideas. Look at who they picked as their head coach. <laughs> Nick, I can't speak Sirianni. Uh, that guy. And we're going to we're going to put one foot in front of the other and that's called walking. <laughs> Yo, as a Cowboys fan, I'm telling you, I am loving this. This organization, they've done a lot of good things in their history, but man, have they done some bonehead things too. And what is Howie Roseman doing? He's just twiddling his thumbs like, well, maybe this is going to work out. How? How is it going to work out? You let Doug Peterson rub his nuts all over this organization and leave leave a mark, leave a stink all over it. And now how are you fixing it? How are you fixing it? Oh, I know. We're going to let Jalen Hurts compete with some other guy off the street or maybe some rookie or maybe some old veteran. It just doesn't make sense. They still don't have an offensive line. They still don't have any weapons on the outside. The defense needs work. This is a complete disaster. But like I say dumpster fire and boys it burning and it's not stopping anytime soon it doesn't matter if there's if there's rain it doesn't matter if there's snow the dumpster fire will continue to be lit and just when you thought it was over <laughs> just when you thought it was over they are now responsible for the biggest cap hit in history in history in the team's history trading Wentz to 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 the Colts they're still on the hook for $33 million on the books. <laughs> what a fuck you charge that is. I can't, I love it. I love it. I This this can't get any better to me. I'm going to come over to your party. I'm going to take a crap in your pool. I'm going to leave with mad food. And I'm going to have you pay for everything. <laughs> oh. So the Eagles organization... You can forget about winning a Super Bowl anytime soon, and not this decade or the next. But you're a winner for Dummy of the Week. That's all for this show. That's all for this week. I'll see you guys next week. Until then, stay safe. Stay cool. Peace. You can catch me on Twitter and Instagram at All Even Podcast. Listen to the show on Anchor, Spotify, SoundCloud, and wherever podcasts are available. And check out my YouTube channel, All Even Podcast. And don't forget to share, like, and hit that subscribe button. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Seeing is believing. And you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the neural quantum processor. Because this is an audio ad. Unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever.